Have you ever wondered about whether or not it's safe or should you or what are the pitfalls of getting into another relationship, especially if you've just gotten yourself out of one that was perhaps toxic or went on too long or was damaging to you? That's what we're going to talk about today. How can you move forward considering a second or a third major romantic relationship in your life? How do you start and what is it that you need to be truly aware of? My guest today is Dr. Margaret Rutherford. So stay tuned. This is going to be dynamite for you. Tell your friends if they're dating to listen in too. Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. So glad you're joining us for Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. As usual, I have a fascinating guest. You know, I kind of go to the ends of the earth to find the best folks for you. And today I did. I've been waiting for quite a while to have Dr. Margaret Rutherford on my show. So welcome to the program, Margaret. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Well, I'm delighted you are too, because as I said, I sent out a couple of requests and, and there wasn't the right timing and things didn't work, but here we are. So yeah. this is great. <laughs> and we're going to talk about something that we've never talked about on Emotional Savvy before. And this is the idea of midlife relationships. So we're going to talk about it in two forms, sort of, um, are you just starting a new one at midlife, a first, second, third marriage, or maybe your first venture into a long-term relationship? And then we're going to talk about the back end, what happens to your primary relationship at midlife. Like, did something start to go sideways? Did you lose interest? What happens when the children leave? You know, all the things that impact a relationship. So stay tuned and immediately call your friends and tell them we're doing this because they may want to hear this. They may just be at midlife thinking about dating or maybe dumping a current spouse. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Margaret Rutherford. She's a clinical psychologist and has practiced for 26 years in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And you Fayetteville. Fayetteville. See, I've never been to Arkansas. So. Well, yeah. It's not it's the French in you, I guess, Fayetteville. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. So you can find out all about her at drmargaretrutherford.com. So not all doctor, just drmargaretrutherford.com. So I'm not going to go into length that here, but she's well published. You can find her at HuffPo and Psych Central, The Mighty, The Gottma Blog. And she has a weekly podcast. You know how much you like podcasts, so you want to hop on over there and listen to her podcast at Self Work with Dr. Margaret Rutherford. And I'll say that again, Self Work, W-R-K. And she has a new book coming out this year, so exciting. I know for depressed people, maybe you don't get all that excited, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> and once you read her book, you may be excited about the possibilities of changing your life and shifting. And it's called Perfectly 
hidden depression. Isn't that right. so right on? And the subtitle is How to Break Free from Perfectionism, Find Self-Acceptance, and Live a Happier Life. Woohoo! Yeah, all, all in 200 pages. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All you'll ever need to know about how to have the most wonderful, perfect, and lasting relationship in life you possibly can. But you can pre you can find her previous book, Marriage is Not for Chickens. <laughs> As you can see, she has some humor. Um, and pop on over to Amazon and find her. Remember Dr. Margaret Rutherford. Just look her up at Amazon. Marriage is not for chickens, and I think we all know that, right? Especially those of us, know that. <laughs> especially those of us who follow my work on Save Your Sanity, dealing with the difficult people in life. Marriage is surely not for chickens. So I am really interested, Margaret, in what about these first timers? I've had a few clients who have written to me and said, I'm dating a fellow who's never been married, and I'm 50. Right. What do you think? Well, you know, when, when I was a girl growing up and hearing about something like that, we always assumed that something was wrong with a person if they'd never gotten married or yeah. and, and they were 40 or 50. I think a lot of people are waiting, though, because, um, well, it may be that they had a relationship that they would hope, that they had hoped would work for them. Uh, that fell apart, but you know they've moved a lot. They've been highly involved with their career. They've chosen not to have children. Um, they want other things in life, and all of a sudden, at 40, 45, 50, they decide, you know, maybe I do want to venture into this relationship. Now, of course, could that be trauma-based? Yes, you, you know, yes, it could be for some reason that they have trouble with attachment or connecting. But um, at the same time, I just don't think it gets the, I'm glad that it doesn't get the label as pathological somehow if someone hasn't been. Right. Now, I have to say that I do have a different reaction if the person says, I'm dating this fellow, he's never been married, he's 50, and he lives with his mother. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I do too. I do too. Right. At that point, you know, the antenna goes up and tell me more. Has he always lived with his mother? <laughs> a little bit of a failure there to launch. <laughs> a little failure to launch. Maybe yeah. a little attachment yeah. to look at. Um, maybe a little anxiety attachment, something going on. But I think you're right. I think people are really changing in the way that we view these things because people will have children without the benefit of marriage they may have a child and they may cohabit or they may live apart. I know one of the most popular articles that I wrote, I'm a, an expert on your tango.com. Mm -hmm. And one of the most popular articles that I wrote was one called Living Apart Together and that whole new trend of people having a relationship married or not, but having two homes and living separately part of every week. Hmm. So, you know, I, I wasn't a sexist in the city uh, kind of person. I really didn't uh, watch it, but I did go to the movie. I said, okay, I have to find out what this is about. And in the movie, then at the end, they have two residences. And I thought, that's the, that's the best idea of the movie. <laughs> exactly, yes. And so there is this growing trend of people who recognize their differences 
particularly in their lifestyle differences on a day-to-day -day basis, and they recognize the affinity they have for each other, the shared values, the joy that they have, the fun that they have. And so they say, okay, there's other ways to construct a relationship that works. Mm -hmm. And maybe they'll live down the road from each other or a block over, or one likes to live in an apartment with high-end art and minimalism. The other likes to live in a vintage cottage absolutely covered with knickknacks you know but the children go back and forth the doors are always open things work for them mm -hmm. however let's talk about the fact that this might be your first venture into permanence you know uh, engaging in a relationship that has some sense of intended commitment that all right I'm going from living alone to actually engaging with another person without one foot out. You know, when I wrote my book, Kaizen for Couples, I talked about this thing. Um, I call it the uh, hokey pokey relationship that people have one foot in and one foot out. And that's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we want to help people today when they're making that transition to get both feet into a relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, my major thought when you said that was that if, you know, if, if this decision is based on fear, I'm, I'm afraid of getting older. I'm afraid of, of losing my parents. I'm afraid of my children growing up. I'm, you know, I'm afraid of this and afraid of that. Then if it's a fear-based decision, it probably won't go very well because you are urgent about it. And, and that would apply, I guess, to any age, but especially middle age if instead it is a choice toward something not away from something that it it is about i want to experience this commitment i want to just i want to experience this um permanence was your word and and it's going to mean something to me i'm going to invest in it well i think that's a big question too is what does it actually mean to you right it's not just that it means something, but what does it mean? Have you stopped to think that through? You know, mm -hmm. this whole thing that we're designed as biological creatures to, oh, be attracted to someone. All of a sudden we have all of these hormones that are running and they're kind of blotting out the bad and accentuating the good and all that stuff. We have to stop and say, okay, why do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. what, what what really is my motivation for doing this? And am I willing to have the conversations I need to have with this other human so that we do this in a thoughtful manner? You know, I don't know about you. I wish way more people came to me before they got married rather than after. <laughs> but Before you know, there was a horrible crisis, actually. <laughs> yes, well, before that. But, but, you know, when they're in that state and saying, we're thinking of making a commitment of moving in together or whatever, I mean, I'm all for it. Come, by all means, come and see somebody when you're in that state. But they're in that euphoria. They don't want to find out the faults. They don't want to look at the dark sides. They don't want to have the tough conversations. I just want to full steam ahead. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and there there have some fears about just talking about the difficult things, such as finances. Certainly, yes, finances. Uh, certainly, hopefully, by that time in your life, when you're in your 40s and 50s, you figured some stuff out. So perhaps you're not as defended, you know, again, a big perhaps, but perhaps that's true. Perhaps you're not, um, you know, you have 
looked at childhood issues, you have tried to say, you know, this is, I've created a good life for myself and I just want someone to enhance it. Um, And, you know, that can happen at any age. At the same time, when it happens later in life, um, I'm trying to think of some of the people that I've worked with. I, I think there's, there's great joy in that. There can be, there can be a sense of, um, uh, certainly that it is that kind of commitment. I, I, I make the point in marriage is not for chickens. Again, it's a little gift book, so it's not a, it's not a tome of wisdom. <laughs> I've made some similar statements. And I think one of the gifts of marriage is that it, it does, or long-term partnership is that it does offer a kind of intimacy that you really cannot find anywhere else. Um, because you have to tolerate or you choose to tolerate a lot of disappointment and don't, and you don't go anywhere. So I think that that is, um, that is one of the better things about marriage. And, you know, another thing I love is that you get to live your life watching someone who's very different from you, learn the lessons they need to learn and you grow from learning those lessons, you know, watching them learn those lessons. Right. If you've gone solo all your life, you've learned the lessons you needed to learn, but you haven't learned what you can learn from watching someone else. And that's very different, I think. Well, it is. And, you know, I tell people all the time in my podcast or my YouTube channel, there are three absolute essentials to have a healthy relationship of any kind. That there has to be equality, there has to be reciprocity, and there has to be mutuality. And that's how you're going to have a healthy relationship with anyone. And if you don't have the tools to create emotional intimacy, then you're not going to experience this joy that you are talking about. That, all right, here I am in a relationship that is unique, a committed relationship. You know, like they used to say on Grey's Anatomy, you know, you have your person. (laughs) Well, this is our person. This is the person that we want to be free to share things with and talk things through and, and enjoy relationship with one another at deep and vulnerable levels. And we have to be understanding exactly what you say, that this is a twosome. <laughs> this right. is not, not all about me.com. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, oh, I'm and I, will, I will have to say that one of my little sayings about myself is that I've never felt healthier than when I'm not in a relationship. <laughs> Yeah, there's not much to tilt. Not no. much to tilt. Yeah, so there you are, everybody. There's a good reason for being in a relationship and thinking about it before you get into there. There's going to be opportunities to tilt. Yeah, I, I can use my example. The other day, my partner, I, you know, he was coming to meet me for lunch, and I had my camera on, and I said, "Oh, hey, let's take a picture," and he said, "I don't want a picture of us." And I'm like, oh, you don't want a picture of us? What's wrong with you? Well, you know, we've been together for 15 years. So I thought, okay, something's up. So we get in and he just had a call from a doctor and he'd had some news and things like that. And so don't bother me with the frivolous things if I want a picture of us, honey. You know, I have deeper things to talk about right now. I don't particularly want to document this moment. This is just not the moment I want to document. No, no. You know, as we're sitting here talking, I'm thinking about 
something that crossed my mind as I was approaching this topic and thinking about um, midlife partnerships. And, um, you know, one of the things that people who are still together have to deal with is that they are no longer the people that they were when they married each other. They're just not. And so especially, obviously, if they have spent way too much focus on children, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes the children can leave and these people are going, well, no, wait a minute, How, who did you morph into? Who did I morph into? Obviously, if you're making this choice for the first time, you know, and you're older, you don't have that. You, you are definitely, um, you know, you're meeting someone who's hopefully more fully evolved, um, but at the same time, you know, it can be a wonderful thing to watch somebody's personality and character and strengths and all of that blossom and flourish as they are, or that you can, it's also a gift to see their struggles. Um, but I do th- think that people who then commit much later do have a much, have a better sense of I'm getting a, a more fully formed individual. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's two two important things to talk about. So let's just close out the piece of if this is a new relationship. Have the difficult conversations with this person first. Mm -hmm. You know, be be that mature human that can say, I am going to be wise enough to realize we're going to run into some differences between us. Let's make sure we've discussed the differences. And let's wade into the scary dark water where you may not like me very well when I tell you one thing. Right. right, and also they, they if if there was a previous um, commitment or a previous relationship, and there are children, then you have those adult children to deal with too, who are also going to uh, be a part of both the solution and the potential problem. So. There, there are, and hopefully they're adult, but they may not be. They may not be. <laughs> and you know that whole conversation right there, Margaret, about. All right, how much are we going to be in each other's lives if we've come from another marriage, mm-hmm. right? So now we're not talking about a first-time marriage, but a second or third-time marriage. Like, I have never met my partner's children, mm-hmm. okay? That's our decision. He's met mine, but I've never met his because they come from a particular faith tradition that marriage is out, divorce is just simply not recognized, and therefore... I don't exist. And when I do exist in their mind, it is with her, right? So I don't want to know them. Now I know all about them. I solve their problems. I do all kinds of things. But from way back here, um, but those are conversations that you have to have. There's nothing wrong with whatever way you decide to do your relationship. But if you don't do it by design because you spoke about it, and you do it by default, sometimes that's fraught with a lot more difficulties. Well, we're talking about prevention is, you know, the prevention is worth a pound of cure. And if you have allowed yourself to discuss it, um, then obviously I think you're treating it more like you would any other decision rather than some romanticized, idealized, oh, this is going to be wonderful. You're looking at the pragmatics of the decision. You're looking at the practicalities of the decision. You're looking at um, what you want in lots of different columns (laughs) so that you expect in lots of different columns. So you're, you know, you're obviously we can't predict everything. We can't predict 
you know, whether someone's going to get become ill or we can't predict, you know, all of that kind of thing. But you can, you can sit down and predict as much as possible and, um, you know, enjoy the lust love, as I call it. I mean, you know, enjoy the heck out of that. Beginning, yeah. But, but <laughs> keep your, keep your mind in the game as well. And your feet on the ground. And, and your feet. Touch down and every now and again, because it is practical. You know, mm -hmm. what I find, and I have clients all over the world, no matter what culture they're in, there is this thing that they keep thinking that if only I give more, if only I am more patient, more kind, more compassionate, more nurturing, less demanding, less inquisitive, I mean, I'll make myself into a pretzel and eventually a doormat because I don't want to discuss these difficult things and resolve them. Mm -hmm. I just keep bobbing and weaving through the relationship and eventually I'm exhausted and worn down and torn down. Mm -hmm. So when you're going to go into a relationship that is your second or third relationship, then hopefully the learning comes that, yes, we know about the, what I call the honeymoon haze, right? Like all the wonderful things that are running around in our body, like you called it the love lust. <laughs> well, yeah, so, and, and the pictures of perfection that we're painting in our minds, and this will be different than anything I've ever had. No, you know, see, people are still real. And mm -hmm. people do come with their past, and there are things you're going to need to talk about. So get the major ones out of the way before you jump in. Well, you know, the other thing I think to make sure of, I've been divorced twice. I'm in my third marriage now for almost 30 years. Um, but certainly something I talk with people a lot about is to try to, it, it, it's probably the least followed piece of advice I ever give, <laughs> which is to wait long enough. If you've been divorced for once or twice to wait long enough to choose someone else, to make sure you've made the changes in yourself that you have filtered through and sifted through what happened to the best of your ability. And mm -hmm. that, that you know that you're choosing people, people want to <clears throat> focus on the, the partner. Well, he's different or she's different. They're, they're not the same as so-and-so Joe or Jane, but that's not the point. The point is, are you internally, um, have you internally altered mm -hmm. and how, what, how do you know, how do you have confidence in that? What yeah. kinds of things are you thinking about? Are you doing, are you, creating in your life that are very different and how are you different in relationship so that this midlife marriage or commitment or partnership, whatever we want to call it is not going to be hampered by the same things that your other relationships were because you just haven't done the changing. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, this is a pivot point that we're talking about is people who have serial relationships without changing themselves end up having duplicate relationships and finding the same faults in one another. And we have to take responsibility for that. So I'm really glad you brought that point up because for us to be able to say, I'm going to take time to heal. I'm going to take time to be self-reflective. I'm going to take time to learn about myself. How have I changed? What do I think I need to change that perhaps I had a part in what didn't work well? You know, that whole piece. That's why I really advocate, and not just because we're doing, doing this for a living, but I really advocate going to someone who can see from the outside and ask us good questions. Mm -hmm. 
because those good questions can cause be the cause for pause you know oh haven't thought about it quite that way hmm. well you're right i mean we're both psychologists so it's you know it's people could i guess assume that we're of course going to think that therapy and and getting another perspective is important but i'm a therapist because i got good therapy and i wanted to do for others what had been done for me and or at least try i wanted to try um so i i do think that that kind of self um reflection that kind of con more contemplative kind of thing and then take action on that um and so then you can go forward and trust um, that you've done the work you need to do in order to recommit. Right. And, you know, I'll share my insight on that because the reason I'm a therapist is because I couldn't get the good therapy I needed. Mm. And so that's why I have my other podcast, which is called Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. Because for so many people, Margaret, I'm sure you're very aware of this, and this is my focus in my practice, is if you had a parent or a partner or an ex who was having the patterns, traits, and cycles of people that have personality disorders, then so much impact in your early life occurred, and that translated into your relationships, and things are very, very difficult. And so when I was young, and I had a, a mother who had grave difficulties, and a father who had covert difficulties, and I'm an only child, so, oh, joy, right? Perfect, perfectly. Perfect storm. And so then I stepped out and said, you know, my mother behaves this way and nobody had any experience with this. So what did the therapist do? The therapist leaned in and said, well, what are you doing wrong? Oh, my gosh. Right? Like, oh, I know your mother and she's lovely. Well, yes, you know, I trademarked the term hijackals, and I did that because too many people were going to the internet and saying, my partner, my mother, or my sibling behaves this way, and they forgot that the internet is an index, not a psychological professional. <laughs> the, in, the index spills back, oh, that's narcissistic, and then the person grabs on it and says, oh, well, the other person's all wrong, they're narcissistic. And so I wanted a term for us to talk about the patterns, traits, and cycles without the psychological labels, because that's troublesome. They, they tend to separate themselves from the fact that they are either codependent or enabling or condoning the behaviors. They just make it all that other person's fault, and now there they are smelling like a rose, and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Things are going on for them. So the term hijackles is the one that I use, and my definition is that hijackles are people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control. So these are the people who, when they're out in public, paint a public picture of perfection, and when they're at home, they create a private place of pain. So when I would go and say, my mother behaves this way, I mean, my friends were afraid to come to my house, right? And they would say, oh, but your mother's so wonderful. Because they saw the public picture of perfection. Mm -hmm. So the stimulus for me to, to get my PhD in, in psychology was these people need to be seen and people need to be validated for what they have been through in this regard. So I will make that my specialty. So there are these pieces. 
And so let's um, let's just talk about this going into the relationship further that you are now in the second or third relationship. And this is a midlife relationship. You're hoping it's going to be the one that lasts for the lifetime and that you're there on each other's deathbeds, right? <laughs> you're absolutely hoping for Probably that. Probably not each other's, but... <laughs> well, no, not unless you had a pact of some kind, I guess. Little Thelma and Louise moment. But <laughs> um, let's talk more to help people about what can they do? What specific conversations can they have? What questions should they ask themselves mm -hmm. before entering into that relationship in a committed way, taking the action to be in that relationship full-time, perhaps in the same location? Well, when you, for me, Roberta, when you think about what midlife offers, I mean, I, my answer to this question or an answer to the question would would have to reflect that you have to talk about what you're going to be facing in midlife. Mm -hmm. um, you know, retirement, um, perhaps um, changes in your physical abilities, um, changes in your mental abilities, right. um, loss of parents. Law, I mean, some of this is expected. And then, then, you know, life tends to throw in some unexpected things. So, you know, menopause, hormonal changes. So not that you can necessarily sit down and have a conversation about, well, what are you going to be like when I'm in menopause? Because you don't know what you're going to be like when you're in menopause. Oh, let me just throw something in there, Mark. <laughs> I had this experience, you know, I, I have been divorced and I was married to a much younger man. He was 10 years huh? younger and I went through menopause and he came to me and he said, I shouldn't have to go through this at my age. Oh, so, so here's the funny part, though. He went out and had an affair with a woman his age, and he decided to move into that relationship. And my response was, how stupid are you? You get to go through it twice. <laughs> oh, that, that's pretty funny. <laughs> So yes, not to interrupt, but to talk about things like menopause or illness or uh, family histories, like is there a history of dementia in your family or Parkinson's or something that's going to be debilitating, you know, big important conversation. Um, I have a client now who fell in love with someone with Parkinson's. She, old high school um, right. kind of flame of hers and they ran back into one another. They both, they both married long-term marriages and, you know, she's had to deal with the fact that, that it's, she only had a good a, a little while behind them because he cannot, you know, uh, not that they don't still love each other, but it's, it's tough and it's a little tougher than she wants, you know, that she, that she realized back then. Um, but everything's like that. So, I, I do think that you need, you know, we haven't mentioned money. I mean, you have to talk about money. Um, I'm, I am, oh, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. I mean, I, I'm, as you said, from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and still sometimes, and I don't know how much it has to do with being in this part of the country, but it, it people don't want to talk, women especially don't want to talk about money. Oh, no, and, no, no. It's not the right thing to do. <laughs> no. And so, and they don't know what kind of money they have. They don't know what kind of, if they've been in a long-term marriage, there's still this, you know, more older um, 
way old of being school. Yeah, yeah. Old school. Yeah. Of, you know, oh, that's, you know, I, I don't have to know anything about it. And yet that kind of sharing gets even more and more important as you get older because you do, you know, the ambiguity of getting older is, you know, increases as we all, as we all age and how, how to handle that ambiguity again, as we were saying before, with as much clarity as possible ahead of time so that you can prevent some of those anxieties. Mm -hmm. So I guess before we leave, we should talk about the joys of entering into a new relationship at midlife. So what would you say the joys are? Oh goodness. Um, you know, I remember working with a couple, they had both been widowed and, um, and to, to people from people, they, they'd lost people they really loved and had had a good relationship with. And the, almost the playfulness of the, of these two was delightful to watch. It was, they were in their fifties when they, when they married one another again or married again. And it was so, they had been so lonely. They had just been so lonely. And they were being touched again. They were being connected with again. Someone was interested in their gardening or their, or their hobbies and people were interested in their children and not necessarily like their, 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 their ex, well not ex, their partner would have been before, but still someone, uh, I love this analogy too a patient gave me one time. She said, being in a strong relationship is like you, you, you're, you're holding a rope and they're holding a rope and every now and then you tug and they tug back. And that's just a, uh, that's just so comforting to know that someone is there. Uh, in fact, her sister had committed suicide and she said, what do I do? Drop my end of the rope. I mean, I don't know what to do anymore, but I do think that there's a, a freshness and a playfulness and a, and a, uh, a comfort that, can exist in when you find someone in midlife. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely do because you've worked through some stuff. Hopefully, you know who you are. You know, early marriages. You sh- in our twenties. You know, our brain is still growing toward thirty. It is not got a locked in. So there are going to be a lot of changes still possible during that time. Very growing, and and maybe that's where we didn't communicate well in our earlier relationships, but. By midlife, we have a good sense of who we are and what we value and what it is we're actually looking for and what we really can tolerate and not tolerate. And so we can be clear in our communication. We have, it, we have that sense. And we're not overly invested, hopefully, in people-pleasing. That I'm saying all these things just because you will like me better I have a sense of self. I have a sense of independent self. And that I, these are the things that are true about me. And if you don't like that one so much, you don't like that one. Well, I don't like that and that about you either. But that doesn't matter about the big picture. Um, and so you can, you can go back to the big picture knowing that you didn't wipe it out. Like when I'm working with people or with hijackles, just as an example, what they have learned if they had a hijackle parent They have learned what we call black or white or all or nothing thinking. Because when you have a hijackle parent, you are either the best thing that ever happened to them or they wish they had aborted you. There's nowhere in between, right? And so you tend to internalize that when you're little. That, you know, if somebody says they're going to leave you, 
Like there's nothing to talk about. They're going to leave you. You're going to be abandoned. This is absolutely terrible. And because it's all or nothing thinking or somebody does something you don't like, like the other day when Charles didn't want to take a photograph, you know, should I be deeply offended and think that our relationship is over because he doesn't want to take a photograph? Well, a person who's been in a black or white, all or nothing hijackal relationship would jump to that conclusion from fear that, oh, in our relation, there's something terrible afoot. He doesn't want to take a photograph. And so hopefully in a healthy beginning in a new relationship, we're not in that place. We realize that rope analogy that you have that one person's going to tug or drag a little and the other person's going to do the same. And sometimes we're going to have the rope equal and sometimes it's going to be this way. And sometimes we tug and the other person says, I got nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that it isn't the end of the relationship. It's the dynamic of the relationship. In the couples that I see, um, I talk a lot about a question. I say the question is, what do you know about your partner that would explain their behavior that has nothing to do with you? Oh, beautiful. So So that you can try to avoid that sense of making things about you, making it personal. And as I sit here and listen to us, I'm thinking, you know, I bet oh, just a bird flew into the window. <laughs> Scared me. Um, if you can, I, I imagine that's easier to do the older you get. Um, unless, of course, you've been with somebody a long time and that pattern's entrenched. And by that time, it's not going to be good. You're going to be defensive and bitter. But if you're starting out in midlife, then perhaps, you know, it is a little easier for you to say, wait a minute. I'm not going to, you know, there's a boundary between me and this other person and I'm very aware of that and I'm not going to make everything about them, about me. Beautiful. I think that's such an important point and I hope everybody's listening. Like when somebody does something, it's not necessarily about you. No, in fact, I think about 15% of the time, maybe it is, you know, because they just are still pissed with you about something you did yesterday. And so they, they forget to, you know, pick up your dry cleaning or something, but little passive aggression. Yeah. 85% of the time it's about them. And so, um, I, I think that's, um, I, I would imagine I, you know, don't know this for sure, but I would imagine that 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 is as as you have grown and matured, you kind of know what's about you. You know, you know your Yeah, I know that I'm impatient. I know that I'm this. I know that I'm that. And um, maybe that's that's a gift that midlife marriages or commitments or partnerships have. Well, I sure hope so. And obviously, we could talk about this for a long, long time. So maybe in a few months, we'll do this again. And that would be great. Thank you so much for your insights. You're welcome, Roberta. I had a great time. Good. I've been talking with Dr. Margaret Rutherford. And you can find her at, guess what? drmargaretrutherford.com drmargaretrutherford.com You want to run over to Amazon, get her book, Marriage is not for chickens. (laughs) That sounds like fun, doesn't it? And you want to listen to her podcast because her podcast, you can find it. It's called Self Work, S-E-L-F-W-O-R-K, to help you little by little 
topic by topic. Reflect on yourself. See what's working, what's not working. And she gives you some great insights there. So thank you again, Margaret. And I'm glad everyone joined us. If you enjoyed this, please tell your friends. Be with us in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll know when there is a new episode. And you can always find me at 4, F-O-R, relationshiphelp.com, H-E-L-P.com, or my YouTube channel for Relationship Help. Always there for you. Love to hear from you. And thank you again, Dr. Margaret Rutherford. And I'll talk with all the rest of you again next week. Take good care. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting 4relationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.